Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to our Higher Branch community. I'm Sam McCool, and with me is Mark Bunn, who is our Ayurvedic expert who spoke at the last event, Upgrade Your Life event in Sydney. Welcome, Mark. G'day, Sam, and uh, to all your wonderful listeners and community. Mate, it's good to have you back. You've been a very popular person on our podcast, uh, and we've done two podcasts before together. But today's one should be interesting because we're in the month of Brovember, as it's now known, otherwise known as the, the uh, Men's Health Month. And men's health is something that tends to get ignored. I know that sounds like a cliche, but it actually does, right? It uh, Men yeah. keep things to themselves and... Uh, you know, they, they're not very open. They're the last to seek help. And we, we tend to be ignored. So I want to do a deep dive into men's health uh, today. And I want to talk about the things that people don't want to talk about, you know, things like prostate health, the importance of sexual activity. Should men masturbate? Is it okay to masturbate? The, the importance of sunshine and sunbathing your, your scrotum and your testicles, because that's where a lot of chemical activity happens that we'll talk about later. We want to talk about how to prevent the decline of testosterone, the the role that women play in men's health and uh, and other things uh, which may become a little bit controversial. Uh, but firstly, how are you going, Mark? It's been a while, mate. I haven't seen you in a, a, at least a couple of months. Generally, I am usually pretty good, but um, at the moment, there's definitely something going on. If you ask me what's going on with me, I'm not 100% sure. My process is usually my energy goes down, which it has um, of late. And then I sort of um, try and stop a bit of activity and process and try and work out what's going on. My first uh, thought with this is usually to postpone or, you know, as blokes do, put on a brave front and say everything's fine and maybe make up some excuse to do the podcast another day. But I thought in the interests of uh, men's health, and I think one of the key issues that we all go through and you've just touched on is that, um, you know, we have to be more honest and open and real and authentic about what we're dealing with as men. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I do want to, uh, look, we want to get into what we want to talk about, I, but I, I do want to make the point, because you raised it, that uh, when our energy dips, sometimes it's not diet or exercise or sleep, lack of sleep. It can be, well, most of the times it often is emo uh, emotional or what's going on inside our head and our heart. And we all need to know how to recenter or recalibrate and return uh, to that state of joy. And it happens to all of us. It happens to me. My weakness, my kryptonite is work. I love work and I, when I get to a point where I, I overwork and I tip myself over and I get fatigued. And, yeah. um, uh, and then I, I haven't like psychoanalyzed it to a point whether it's, you know, guilt. Maybe it is guilt. You know, I, I feel like if I'm not working, I'm uh, resting. I feel guilty. I should be doing something. And um, so... The key is to recognize that everyone on the planet goes through this. But yes. the difference, the difference between so even the people that you might you know uh, read about or uh, idolize, you know the highly successful people, whether it's Warren Buffett or Jay Z or Beyonce, whoever, they all have these moments. It's 
their ability to return and their, the tools and techniques they have uh, to return to that state of high energy. Uh, so uh, there's two approaches to a dip in energy. One is to fix the underlying problem, which is sometimes yep. it's difficult. And the underlying problem, if it's emotional, if it's an emotional stuckness, you know, that's, I just made up a word, stuckness. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I like it. You, and that's, that's a long journey sometimes. But what I do when it's tough to find out what's going on in my head and my heart and why I'm feeling that way, and maybe it's just deep, you know, seeded from something that happened to me when I was younger. Uh, so I then return to the physical and say, look, let me control what I can control. And yeah. I can control how much sunshine I get. I can control, you know, meditation, meditating. I can control the amount of sleep or the amount of rest. I can control the food I eat or the food that I shouldn't eat. Sometimes you have to fast. Yes. Uh, or it could be a book that I pick up and read or my journal. You just have to find your tools and techniques. And and this is the sort of stuff that we're going to be downloading at Upgrade Your Life in 2020. It's sharing those tools and techniques. It's not about teaching you how to become, you know, superhuman and invincible. And it's not about that. It's, it's about how do you deal with that stuff that crops up. So today, it's all about men. And for women that are listening, I urge you to listen as well, because one, women play a very important role in men's lives. And two, it's, uh, it's a way for better understanding your man, your brother, your father. Uh, so I urge you to listen to the, some of this stuff. I think it's important because a lot of men's health is just swept under the carpet and uh, nobody wants to deal with it. So I, I want to first start off with um, the importance of testosterone uh, for men. And Mark, if you can tell us what's the Ayurvedic take on men's health and testosterone and virility and the libido and how is it different for the three dosha types? Yeah, so Ayurveda, always I like to just explain what Ayurveda is because there's a lot of misconceptions about it and those sort of new to it. It's really important to understand that our whole world is governed by what we could call laws of nature. You know, you drop an apple, it falls to the ground, there's a law of gravity. Gravity is fundamental, it's immutable, it works everywhere. Electromagnetism, all these things, the seasons, the planets around the sun, the baby's born, it grows according to certain laws of nature. You know, the arms don't grow where the legs are, the penis doesn't grow where the ears are. You know, there's an actual intelligence to our world and we humans are a part or an expression of that intelligence. So many thousands of years ago, when the world was much more pure, if you like, less stress in collective consciousness, there were certain saints or rishis, they were called, who could literally cognize all of those laws of nature that related to exercise and diet and purpose in life and the seasons and how we how we live as humans in tune with those laws so that life flows and we enjoy good health and energy, etc., etc., etc. So it's what's called a cognized science. It's like the revelation of those laws itself. It's not someone doing experiments in a laboratory or thinking something up in their own head. It's basically those laws of nature. So been around forever. Uh, and in a written form about 6,000 years. So when it comes to men's health, Ayurveda has a very holistic viewpoint of it. And fundamentally, it is that as men, just as we humans, if humans live according to the laws of nature that are designed for them, everything flows like a surfer riding a wave. You know, you just flow with the wave, nature does all the work. And so there are certain laws of nature that also govern how men are designed to live. 
our physiologies and our mental processes and our emotional processes are fundamentally fundamentally different to women. And we might get to the whole male-female feminism thing at some point in the podcast, but for now. So men are designed to live according to certain laws. And so testosterone is a key part of that. You know, that's one of our major hormones that's very male-specific. And so where Ayurveda sees it slightly different to modern medicine is that we need to understand that modern medicine, for you to have a valid scientific study, you have to look at one thing in isolation. You have to put your little glasses on and look at testosterone and you have to basically take out every other variable that can affect it. If you're looking at vitamin C, you've got to take up all other variables, people's age, genetic disposition, the climate they're in. And so modern science looks at things in isolation, whereas Ayurveda looks at things in the holistic version. And that so the first mistake we make from an Ayurvedic perspective is that we try to increase testosterone in isolation from what might necessarily be good or ideal for our long-term ideal health, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And so an example for that is really high intense exercise. So as you know, Sam, one of the primary recommendations for how we can maintain and elevate our testosterone over life is by engaging in really high intense exercise. And so when you study that from Western science, that is, it's true. A lot of studies show that that's correct. Your testosterone will go up. But if that exercise is creating so much emotional strain or strain on your joints or strain on other organs, such as your heart, then in a holistic sense, it may not be the best way to maintain your testosterone. So from an Ayurvedic perspective, there's more fundamental things. And three of the real key fundamentals are reducing stress. And this is also backed up by modern science. The biggest inhibitor of maintaining good testosterone levels in men is a stressful lifestyle. We know what cortisol does to testosterone levels. Higher the test cortisol, generally the lower the cortisol lower the testosterone. Um, we've got to be careful with estrogen. So it's not just having high testosterone, but high testosterone plus high estrogen certainly negatively affects um, men's health and men's health functions. So reducing stress, having a, a sort of happy, balanced life is fundamental, not just for testosterone, but basically everything. Um, you touched on vitamin D earlier on. So we know that vitamin D is absolutely crucial for um, healthy testosterone. Before we get on to that, Mark, could uh, yeah. you tell us what, uh, how we keep estrogen down then? Yeah, well, it's very similar to um, how we keep testosterone high. There, there's a lot of crossover. Um, estrogen, as everyone knows, is more um, associated with female physiology. We both obviously have both hormones, men and women. Um, but estrogen, again, high stress, um, high processed food, diet, lack of proper sleep, poor quality nutrition, um, all those sort of things impact both. All right. Thank you. So uh, you were going uh, to talk about the role of sunshine then on testosterone? Yeah. So in terms of these like three real big pillars in terms of just fundamentals, testosterone, sleep's the other really key one. Um, adequate sleep, obviously when we sleep, um, that's when the body 
replenishes and recuperates and recovers and all the hormones get balanced. And um, so it's really important. And then sunlight, which is the one that often people um, we, we forget or we don't sort of give it its due importance. And that's the role of vitamin D. Yeah. Before you get on to uh, sunshine, just going back to sleep, is, is that the reason why men wake up in the mood? Is that the um, the sign that you've had enough sleep? I know when I don't, <laughs> we're getting a bit personal here, but when I don't have enough sleep and I wake up in the morning, uh, a certain part of my body is not inclined to <laughs> rise to the occasion. You're okay. not rising. Well, it's not rising to the occasion like uh, you are. That's right. That's right. So, <laughs> look, it's important to talk about this because men's sexuality and men's mental health is often just ignored. So let's yeah. and women talk about this stuff, right? But men yeah. don't. So, it, so is that the the sign or the barometer that you have enough sleep? Yeah. Well, I'm totally happy to discuss all that stuff because I think well, obviously my background is the ancient wisdoms and you know my research is on the traditional cultures and one of the biggest differences this is a prelude to your question Sam I'm not avoiding it is you know traditional cultures what we think about them is they have a completely different viewpoint or perspective on sexuality you know our indigenous cultures not only in Australia but all around the world you know they walk around in almost no clothes, you know, a little, few little fig leaves across the, the old fella and uh, often the women are bare-breasted and, and sex and naked body is just is, is seen as just a completely natural thing, which it is. Whereas in the West, a lot of our issues are that we have so much shame about it, you know, shame about our body and shame about having an erection and shame about ejaculating too quickly and all these sorts of things. So And then so connected to that is I don't want to let anyone – um, or give the wrong impression that I'm an expert from a Western perspective. I'm not a medical doctor, you know, I'm not the world's greatest expert on testosterone and estrogen. And my my viewpoint is very much from the holistic Ayurvedic perspective. But the answer to your question is yes, when we sleep well, sleep in Ayurveda is considered one of the three pillars of life, along with um, good diet, and what's called dinacharya, or living in tune with the daily routine, the body's daily clock, chronobiology, circadian medicine, which is the modern medicine aspect. So sleep is like a pillar. If we don't sleep well, the ancient texts thousands of years ago talk about everything from depression and anxiety and um, irritability and, you know, your whole DNA and repair mechanisms go, and also sexual function is negatively affected. So yes, and we all, I think we can experience it. You know, when you have that really good night's sleep, your body and mind is refreshed, you're bouncing out of bed, you know, ready for everything. Your libido's up and you're you're, you're ready for anything. So um, yes, sleep is absolutely critical. So it's a sign that you've got a surge of testosterone. Now, 95% of the testosterone is created in uh, the testicles, yeah, in the, the scrotum area. So obviously, anything that boosts the health of that area is going to boost testosterone. Now, um, uh, so that was just a comment, not a question, by the way. But I just want to go yeah. back then to- well, Just to jump in there, just- just for the sake of the conversation, I tend to what I like to phrase rather than boosting testosterone because it can sometimes give the impression that we have to do everything to increase testosterone. And again, oh, yes, the perspective yes. of nature mm. and Ayurveda is we want optimal 
testosterone, which just throughout the day, throughout the month, throughout our life actually cycles. Everything in nature cycles, blood pressure, cholesterol, the seasons, you know. And so we, the idea is to to flow with mother nature. And so optimal is actually different at different times. And so what happens in our Western, because I said this Western way of looking at life, black and white, you know, scientific study, men sometimes get in their head that we have to boost testosterone at all costs. And that's not the case. We want to just, we want to go for optimal health. And if we're optimally healthy, then our testosterone actually will be whatever it's meant to be. It's a bit like weight, you know, this is big for women. They focus on the scales, what they weigh. Whereas in fact, if they focus on just being healthy and happy, then they'll be their perfect weight. And so it's a little similar with testosterone. So it's a bit, I'm glad you clarified that because it's about honoring your uniqueness and we all have a level. So when it comes to testosterone, libido, everyone has their own level and it's about returning your body to that level. So does that mean that uh, some men are just more potent or (laughs) virile than others because they have naturally high testosterone? Uh, Yeah, no, testosterone is definitely connected. Um, But again, it's, I think fundamentally, it's in, it's, it's, Virile in the sense of that sort of more alpha, um, outward sexuality. Um, but the fact that, you know, for men to have sex, there needs to be a partner. And, you know, most relationships, male, female. And so women also have high libidos or low libidos or middle libidos, and that's affected by their emotions. And, and so women can be are just as sexually active, if you like. It's just it's a different flavor to what they bring to the table or the bedroom, if you like, and what they get out of it. So obviously when men, it's more that sort of alpha outward, whereas women, it's more about that nourishing and the intimacy and um, there's different flavors to it. But yes, women obviously still can have high libidos and high sexual appetites. And so um, that's where you have your whole compatibility and having partners and mates that are... Yes. Uh, that are compatible with you in that in that area. Awesome. So there's one thing you said there, and that is for sex to happen, there needs to be a, a partner, but not always, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> so I, I want to talk about I want to talk about masturbation. Is yeah. is it natural uh, according to Ayurvedic medicine? Uh, should men feel guilty about it? And uh, if not, then uh, is it okay for men to watch? pornography uh, to, to masturbate because I have my personal views on that uh, yeah. but I, I'm keen to get um, your views what is it what is it natural yeah the, the natural sciences say about that aspect so the the my byline of my business is simple wisdom for conscious living so my my goal whenever I'm speaking to a group or an individual is try and simplify things. So this answer in some ways makes things more complicated. But from my perspective and my understanding is that when we say what's natural, there's a spectrum. Life is a spectrum and and the human species has a very wide spectrum. From one end, there are certain people in our society that we often call you know, they're almost like animals. You know, we call them beasts. They do the most horrific things. And their their level of evolution, if you like, is almost like survival. You know, they just do whatever they can to survive, almost no emotional connection to others. And then you can go through yeah. that spectrum. And that's for them, that's natural. If we spoke about it as a, a bear in the forest or a tiger, you know, killing its prey, 
then we say that's perfectly natural. That's their laws of nature. So for human, but humans, you can go right along the spectrum, right to the other end of the spectrum. And that's where the Vedic rishis say that there's this idea of evolution. As humans, we're designed to evolve from those lower levels right through to the highest levels. And the highest levels of human evolution is that we become enlightened. And enlightenment is a state where we're our mind and emotions are unbounded. We are unlimited. We're, we know ourselves fully. We know ourselves for who we are. And people that are towards that end of the spectrum, the laws of nature that govern their life are completely different. So what's natural for them is completely different. So the example is that you know, you think of, and people have read stories and books of the great yogis or the spiritual masters. What they do themselves personally is they, many of them, don't have sex whatsoever. They're called brahmacharis because for them, the idea is that the spiritual entity, often people think about it as things like kundalini, rises from the base chakra. And I don't usually like to use the word chakra because it's often misunderstood, but this, these energy centers at the lower reproductive area of the body rises up towards the crown chakra at the top of the head. And so sex in terms of ejaculation, orgasm, that flow of energy in a sense is going in the reverse direction. So what's appropriate at those high levels is actually generally less ejaculation because you're preserving what Ayurveda calls ojas. And ojas is like the glue of the body. In Ayurveda, everything we do, whether it's diet, exercise, relationships, intercourse, is to nourish and increase the level of ojas. And so ojas is developed, and this is a long answer to your question here, Sam, but is through digestion of food and experiencing the transcendental level of life. Enlivening consciousness develops ojas. And also when we eat food, Ayurveda says it goes through seven different levels of digestion. The food is first converted into rasa, which is like the plasma, and then from plasma to blood, blood to muscle, muscle to fat, fat to um, bone marrow, bone marrow into reproductive tissue. And then finally, it produces this substance called ojas, which binds everything in the body. People that are imbued with lots of ojas have that beautiful, lustrous skin. Their eyes are really clear and bright, really strong immune system. They rarely get sick. They're happy, joyful. And so when we have sex, when we ejaculate as men predominantly, not so much with women, in orgasm, we lose that ojas. It's gone from the body. So we have to replenish it each time. And so when we talk about masturbation or sex, we always have to understand there's more than just the ejaculation side. There's whether there's an emotional connection. So masturbation is something people do by themselves. In sex, is the sex something you're doing when you're 21 years old and you're half drunk and you don't even know the person's name you're having sex with? and Or is it in a loving relationship where there's a really strong level of intimacy and connection and the ejaculation parts is just one part of the whole, whole overall picture? So we have to look at it from all these sides. So generally speaking, if we can generalize down to the, your average man, then the real key from the Ayurvedic perspective is the libido stimulated to a point where not ejaculating is going to be more detrimental than ejaculating. So what I mean by that is that 
in Ayurveda, there's an understanding that there's about 13 natural urges, you know, coughing, sneezing, crying, urinating, defecating. All these are natural things to for the body. And suppressing them is where we create ill health. If the body needs to sneeze and you sneeze, great. If the body wants to cry and you cry, perfectly good for the body. If you suppress that, particularly like men do often, um, that's when we get ill health. So if there's an urge to, you know, you've got a high libido and you really, you can't even function because you can't think of anything else, then in that instance, I think there's definitely a means for masturbation or sex with a partner or, and that's why often men feel that release, you know, and they feel much better. Otherwise it's suppressed and they get all tense in there. But that's, if that's not there, then this is the important part. If that's that urge is not there, then we don't promote it from our side, thinking that it's going to improve our prostate health. Or you know, I've told I've got to ejaculate five times a week because that's what you know the science says. Or so we don't promote it from our side. But if it's there, then definitely we don't suppress it. If that makes sense. Wow, that's. That's an amazing download, Mark. Thank you for that clarity because you covered a few things there. Because science says, you know, ejaculating uh, is good for prostate health and having sex regularly is therefore good for prostate health. Uh, And then uh, so men feel like they need to get into this habit of also masturbating uh, Mm. to maintain prostate health. But um, I I totally... uh, uh, love what you said about the Ayurvedic approach. It makes a lot of sense uh, because one, I, I think that that uh, act, that need should come out of an emotional need where you have a strong connection with a partner. Yes. Uh, uh, and I, uh, that's where I think that pornography is soul destroying and can in fact um, you know, impact relationships. And I, I think it's a negative for men's health. So that's the point I want to make. The second point is that what you're saying about uh, preserving the ogres, I can't help but uh, think of a chapter, I think it was chapter 11 in the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, which was an amazing uh, book written in the 1930s where he talks about sexual transmutation. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, you know about it. That's great. Can you tell us, uh, our listeners, then what, what that is all about? Yeah, classic, isn't it? Yeah, Napoleon Hill, my understanding of it is that, yes, sexual energy is a part of nature. It's a part of life. Men particularly, we have this sexual energy, but we can either transmute that or release that in a very um, physical way, which is masturbation or orgasm, which doesn't really serve others so much, or we can get that energy. And if that can be directed um, to other means, which is our in life, and that's what Napoleon Hill's all about. It's about you know service and finding what your unique skill set is, so that you can provide service to the world, and therefore you will be rewarded with wealth and happiness, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So the Ayurvedic or the Vedic correlate is our Dharma. You know, we're all here on the planet to fulfill some higher purpose. You know, why are we here? What are we born for? We're not born to have sex fifteen times a week, and you know think we can last 45 minutes and be some big stud, you know, who does that help apart from our partner potentially? It's like we're here for some bigger purpose and sex is, and that manifesting and corralling and directing of sexual energy is a way that we assist fulfilling our higher purpose rather than 
being a purpose in itself, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's, uh, yeah, Napoleon Hill talks about how uh, a lot of uh, men in the Western world, like the Carnegie's uh, uh, of this world in the industrial era, were highly successful in business because they transmuted or they channeled that sexual energy into their work for creation, production. Yes. Uh, yep. adding value to society they were driven by that mission <laughs> i can't help but it reminds me of a seinfeld episode where george costanza uh larry david's an absolute genius he must know a lot <laughs> about psychology but uh, george stopped having sex and then he started becoming really smart and he started reading, <laughs> reading books and uh <laughs> yeah. and then it all fell fell apart when he then uh, yeah, had sex. Anyway, that's uh, that's awesome information, Mark. And I hope for the guys listening out there and the girls, it's given you a lot of insight into areas that often a lot of people just don't talk about. They might read about it, but there's no doubt hundreds of uh, men listening to this um, uh, podcast. So um, let's go back now to something we were you were just getting into. So we talked about the importance of sleep and um uh, stress management um, and the third S, sex. <laughs> uh, yeah. And actually the fourth S, sunshine. Uh, so let's, yeah, let's get into the fourth S, uh, sunshine. And uh, uh, there is research, uh, well, this is science again, but just want to see if it's also backed up by Ayurvedic medicine, uh, which shows that you, you get a... Um, 200% increase in testosterone if you sunbathe uh, the men's private parts for 20 minutes of sunshine. And it has nothing to do with vitamin D. It, so it can be morning sun, can be afternoon sun. But uh, the research shows, uh, and we can put a, a link to that research uh, in the description, it shows that uh, men who get 20 minutes or more of sunshine on their scrotum, on their testicles, um, have a 200% increase in testosterone. Now, that's that's pretty phenomenal. What does Ayurvedic medicine say about that? Uh, that is absolutely fascinating. And I am not aware of that research. So I'll, um, I'm happy to sit back and uh, have you um, regale us about that. But I have not heard specifically about the need to expose the testicles directly to the, the sunlight. Certainly familiar in Ayurveda, um, is very big on sunlight generally, and even um, um, Hippocrates was famous for as being a, a sunbather many centuries ago. Was the father of uh, um, sunbathing in many respects, and that was often done in those days. You know, very little, minimal clothing whatsoever. So intrinsically, it makes sense to me. It doesn't surprise me, but I have never actually um, heard it specifically recommended separately to just you know, general skin exposure, vitamin D increasing, having that connection. So, um, yeah, it's certainly uh, imagining myself doing it, it certainly would feel good, I, uh, I'm sure. The other thing I'd say is just the 20-minute recommendation, I would, my feeling as more studies are done on it, I suspect will um, maybe broaden uh, because I would imagine it's still somewhat related to general healthy sun dosing, which is different for different body types. You know, some people will probably need less, some may need more. 20 is probably the the average and it obviously depends on what season you're getting it. Middle of summer is going to be quite different to middle of winter. Um, so everything in Ayurveda, as we know, is is very 
individualized. So what's right for one person is not necessarily right for another. So the general recommendation of that sounds sounds right and correct, but probably the amount or the dose will vary depending on the individual. Okay. So research also shows that uh, cold uh, on yep. the testes also boosts testosterone. So having a cold shower, go, having going for a cold swim, uh, I don't uh, advise you put ice on there. But uh, so it's also the cold. So if people, a lot of people know about the Wim Hof method, and we have a surprise for our community at Upgrade Your Life uh, about um, uh, you know ice bathing and what have you. But uh, yeah, so also know for uh, for men who do the Wim Hof method or ice bathing or uh, cryotherapy, whatever you want to call it, it actually boosts testosterone. Now I don't know how much, but I would imagine it's, uh, it's quite significant. Be- before we want to, uh, we proceed, I want to just make the point why testosterone is so important, especially for men who work out. You can't build muscle if you don't have a certain level of testosterone. It's absolutely critical because it increases uh, bone density and uh, it, it also tells the bone marrow, that this is testosterone, tells the bone marrow to manufacture red blood cells. So men with uh, very low levels of testosterone are more likely to suffer bone fractures and breaks. So if you play sport, testosterone is absolutely critical. It's not just about libido. Uh, and you can have a simple blood test to uh, see what your testosterone levels are. Uh, so I just, just wanted to make that uh, point. The, the other um, Could I just thing I wanted to jump in there. Because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm always like the, I think that's why you have me on. I'm like the left field um, alternate view of a lot of things. Um, and so what I would say about that is, is I would firstly ask the question, is increasing metabolism in someone's body a good thing? And most people would answer, Yes, you know, people have a slow metabolism, you know, we want to increase metabolism because metabolism is so important for, you know, maintaining a healthy weight and energy levels and da 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 da. And so then the next presumption is that great, if you can increase metabolism, then it must be good for health. And that is actually not true. I can get someone to take heroin or cocaine, that'll stimulate their metabolism, but it doesn't make it healthy for them. I can put them in a cage of tigers or snakes, stress the hell out of them. That will increase their metabolism, but it doesn't make it healthy for them. And so Mm. the same is actually true for testosterone. This is this earlier point where we we want to do what exactly what you're doing, promoting healthy testosterone, but not that everything we can do to increase testosterone is a good thing. So putting your testicles in an ice bath might actually increase testosterone, but that doesn't make it healthy for the human body or a man. And so there's obviously other things related to fertility and um, that can be negatively affected. So ice baths are an interesting one. From Ayurveda, again, we always have to ask the question, who am I talking to when there's a a health recommendation. And for certain body types, one particular body type is called a vata body type. Vatas are predominated by space and air. Naturally, they have a very thin physiology, light build. They don't put on muscle or fat very easily. They're the type of people we call bastards. You know, they eat whatever they want, never put on weight. They're really quick to do things. They're agile. They make great dancers. You know, they're the ideas people in corporate but they're very sensitive to the cold because they don't naturally have much 
body fat or muscle mass. So for them to do Wim Hof ice baths can actually be really, really even harmful. I sort of want to couch my words a little bit because there is truth to Wim Hof. It's absolutely, there's truth to it and reduced inflammation and a number of health benefits. Um, but they're often related to the pitta physiology and the pitta body type is a high heat body type. And the interesting thing, I'm going to talk about this at Upgrade Your Life in January and we go through the body types in detail in Ayurveda so people can understand what their body type is and what foods and things are suitable. Every single speaker at Upgrade Your Life and nearly every single motivational speaker on the planet today and nearly probably 80 to 90% of the self-development authors that write the books and you know promote these things are pitta predominant. And so what works for us as pittas is great, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's right for everyone. So again, we've got to just always have that one sort of ear out to modern science and what the latest trends are because there's some fantastic stuff and this is one of them. But then also we have to have one ear tuned internally to what our gut feeling says and whether this is actually right for me and my body type. Do I actually feel better from doing this? And uh, it's interesting. And the same in reverse for saunas. You might get onto saunas. There's research that, sh- that shows that heat therapy or having saunas can also increase testosterone. So what? which one do we do? Do we go in the sauna or do we go in the ice bath? And so it can actually be different for different people. So someone who has a yeah. naturally cold physiology, a vata type, them having saunas regularly is actually very balancing and health promoting for them. For someone who has a better heat predominant physiology, more cooling, cooler showers, etc., can be very balancing and ideal for them. So this is where we sort of start to make sense of a lot of the science because you can almost find science, as we know, to back up anything you want to do. There's some science there, but it's what's appropriate for yeah. one person that may not be appropriate for the other. Yeah, thank you for clarifying that, uh, Mark. So uh, Pitta is spelled P-I-T-T-A, Vata, V-A-T-T-A as well? Um, uh, just one T, yeah. One T, okay. So you can have a combination of both because I've done the dosha type diagnostic on myself and I was told I was you know, part vata, part pita. And I actually enjoy doing a cold shower after a sauna. Uh, you, can, you can be a bit of both, but uh, I, I, I think too. the point you, yeah, great. So I think the point you made, uh, made uh, is really important and it ties into one fundamental principle of a higher branch and that is honor your uniqueness and pay attention to your body's signs and what works for you. And I find I can tell when my testosterone levels uh, are too high uh, it usually, uh, I've, I've had my blood tested and my testosterone levels are on the high side, normal high, but I know that it spikes above that when I do a workout. So if I have a very intense weight training workout, I find that my aggression kicks in. I find myself a little bit more aggressive. And then uh, that's a sign that your testosterone is too high and you need to scale it back, whatever it is that you're doing that's boosting it. Just to digress a little, can you supplement testosterone, Mark, or you don't advise that? I personally don't like supplementation. Yeah, no, I'm, my bias is always towards, you know, natural. I always think, you know, thousands of years ago before we had all these supplements, how did nature, how did mother nature design for things to work? And, um, she provided everything we need to stay balanced and healthy without 
you know, supplements growing off trees or things like that. So, um, and what happens often when we supplement, there's certainly cases for supplements or even, you know, medical drugs in certain situations where we need to you know, help the body over the short term before we can get other things in in place. But the more, if we do that long term, then what generally happens is that the body stops doing its natural function. It's like wearing, if you wear glasses too early, then the the glasses do the work and the eyes, you know, stop doing its natural Mm. function as much. Uh, You know, you wear crutches or you go around on crutches all day, um, instead of using your legs, then your legs all atrophy because they're not doing what they're designed to do. So um, in the short term, they can have their role when there's severe cases, but generally we try and do it with nature, as you say, sunlight and earthing. There's some good natural herbs. Um, one's called shilajit, an Ayurvedic herb, which is um, can be very good for testosterone. Ashwagandha, which is becoming more um, prominent these days and people are aware of, is very good for men's health generally and the reproductive system and the nervous system and strengthening the physiology. Um, these are always best generally as compounds or tonics, but even individually they can be um, can be good as a, a natural supplement. Now, I, I- been taking ashwagandha for a little while uh i find that uh it relaxes me at night but if i take mm. it in the morning actually it boosts my energy so it's a it's a really yeah. incredibly weird herbal tonic it's uh, <laughs> it just balances you it just brings you back to balance but i read only a few days ago that it's actually in the nightshade family i'm not sure whether you know about that now so for those of you who are allergic to nightshades like eggplant capsicum white potato tomato you've got uh, goji berries or even in a nightshade family you've got to also be careful with yeah with ashwagandha so it can, it can have an inflammatory effect on some people now i can't believe it's been almost uh, an hour that we've spoken mark there's so much more i want to get through but uh, actually let me let me think just uh, there's one other thing i i want to cover and it, it's a tab area that's taboo but I know a lot of men have this conversation and they're always asking this question. That is, because we're talking about, you know, testosterone, libido, sex, uh, natural, what's our natural part of our natural evolution. Is monogamy natural? A lot of men I discuss this and say, look, it's, you know, why am I so wired to look at, you know, all women? I love my partner, but I'm still attracted to other women and I'm always fighting that urge for always fighting that or controlling that urge. And, um, you know, there are some psychologists out there that say that men that suppress, uh, you know, some men, like you said, there's a spectrum. There are some men that are highly, you know, sexual. And uh, when they suppress that urge is monogamy and monogamy bad for them because then it manifests itself in deviant behavior. Like, yeah, know, yeah. like some of those um, British MPs were getting up to, you know, um, you know, things behind closed doors. Can you be, you know, completely full and frank about this subject? Because it, it, men talk about it. And I can tell you for the women that are listening, yeah. men talk about this stuff behind closed doors. It does not mean they don't love you. Uh, uh, as a partner, it's it's because that's uh, it's something that's plaguing men. You know, men yeah. are uh, you know are driven. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's again how we define natural and how we deal with it. And so, if a man goes out and works too hard, you know, eats the wrong diet basically violates the laws of nature and therefore has a certain level of stress on their nervous system, they can naturally feel 
to go and drink large amounts of alcohol. And they can say that, you know, when I drink, I actually feel better. You know, it helps me manage it because I'm I'm stressed and I'm tense, you know, when I drink, it it calms me down, it numbs me. And so in in a narrow viewpoint, that's actually true because alcohol relaxes the nervous system. So if you looked at alcohol in isolation, that's you know, a valid point. But the the higher wisdom, if you like, and this is where this spectrum of evolution or consciousness is, is that rather than dealing with the issue in that way, is there a better way to transmute the issue for one of that word you brought up earlier? And so it's a similar thing in terms of sex. Yes, for certain men, that drive is very much there and it's strong. But in terms of a higher wisdom analogy, and again, it's got to be couched in terms of relationship. If you're in a relationship with a loving partner, generally monogamous relationship is how we go deep. And that's what what most of us crave in this world. Most of us, many of us, we're living on the superficial level of life. You know, it's all about the latest this or the latest that and the shiny car or the new tracksuit or when what we crave is to develop these deeper connections because that's where the spiritual growth and the evolution is. And this this brings me back to the, the subject of, you know, the Karma Sutra, which is, you know, when we talk about sex and health and this is a really good analogy for this whole concept and it's karma and the whole thing has been misunderstood. Karma is one of the four pillars of evolution in life from a Vedic perspective. You have Dharma, your purpose in life. You have Artha, which is basically material comfort. We all need a certain level of material wealth or comfort so we can free up our creativity to do what we're born to do. And then there's Moksha, which is spiritual liberation, if you like. It's like you know enlightenment so that then we're free to, again, do what we're born to do. So Karma is actually pleasure, but it's not pleasure in a superficial, you know, go and have lots of sex, drink, drink like a, lots of alcohol, fatty food. It's that deeper le- level of pleasure. And so the Karma Sutra is not this sort of um, process to be able to have lots of sex and to last for hours. And it's about the deeper emotional, spiritual connection that we have with a, a partner or a loved one. And so the, the answer to it is, yes, it's natural in one sense, but is there a better way to transmute that sexual energy like you were talking about with Napoleon Hill rather than seeing it as we're polygamous and going out and sowing our seeds all over the place and therefore there, and there's no emotional connection with those partners or it's very superficial and can we transmute that into a much deeper, profound, spiritual connection with our chosen partner or loved one, or can some of that sexual energy be transmuted, as you were saying, into work, career, serving the planet in other ways? So yes, natural in one way, but probably not not the higher wisdom way to, to um, manifest it or express it. That's beautifully said, Mark. And that, again, provides so much clarity for a lot of men that are listening. Absolutely beautiful. And uh, again, uh, look, we've run out of time and I really thank you for coming onto the podcast today And because uh, I know you're not feeling well and you're in the wrong headspace. And thank you for sharing that too, uh, by the way. And uh, it's a beautiful example for all us men listening out there uh, that it's okay to be, to, you know, to show your vulnerability. 
in my book, A Higher Branch, uh, one of the quotable quotes out of that, I say, it's what makes you vulnerable makes you beautiful. And that shouldn't mm. just apply to, to women. It should apply to men as well. And again, thank you, Mark, so much for your generous spirit. And I hope you um, come out of this energy funk and shine brightly. You certainly sh- shone brightly today on this podcast. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sam. And yeah, one of the reasons for um, deciding to do it with you today um, was because of who you are. And I know you are very um, compassionate and open to uh, to all that. So um, yeah, no, it's always great to chat with you, buddy. And I'm really, really looking forward to January where we can dive into this stuff um, deeper. And yeah, as I say, maybe go through the Ayurvedic doshas in a lot more detail for everyone and then uh, do a lot of Q&A and some other fun stuff as well. So uh, yeah, really excited to be a part of the community as always and uh, catching up with everyone in January. Great. Thank you, Mark. And it's not long now, so see you shortly. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks, mate. Just a few more weeks. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Until uh, next time, live consciously, my friends.